there. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Knowledge. I'm Jennifer, and this week I've titled the episode, Life, I'm Doing It Wrong. Really for this one, it's for me about me learning to have balance, me learning to keep perspective, and me learning to recognize when I'm putting myself out of that balance. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through Facecrack or any other social media just thinking, I must be doing life wrong? Or, you know, felt like you were the only one who didn't have your stuff together and everybody else really did. So you felt like a total mess. For me, at the best of times, social media has been a way for me to be connected to people, you know, particularly people I don't see on a regular basis, like in real life. At worst, it really was a means of me punishing myself or me pointing out to myself all the ways in which I was doing life wrong. I'd find myself kind of just addicted to scrolling, addicted to seeing what all of these other connections were up to. And I'd, you know, be sorting through all of the things, the adventures, the celebrations, the life events, all of it, the big things, the small things, even the complaints and those kind of things. But I'd really find myself like paying attention to people whose lives were excelling in areas that maybe mine at that particular moment weren't. And then on top of that, I found myself going in and kind of just commenting on things or liking, loving, kind of, you know, laughing at whatever whatever the appropriate reaction was to, to a post. Just, I think, in some sense, to put myself out there for acknowledgement, for recognition, right? Like, here I am, I'm over here, I'm liking your stuff. I would like, I would seriously, I would tag myself at events and places and doing in these activities just so that I could have an update to share with people. You know, I found myself feeling like I really had to keep up with the Joneses, close the app after scrolling and after a few minutes, I'd be itching to open it back up again and see what had happened since I'd posted or what had happened since I closed the app or who had liked this or who had liked that and how many you know comments did something get or who else had written back and all of that nonsense. But I'd find myself getting like sucked into it. Really, depending on where I was at, like, you know, transitional period or, you know, again, have that recognition of being in, you know, certain places of my life, wondering, you know, how come after going through all these feeds and seeing all these wonderful things, how, how come I was feeling sad or melancholy or even lethargic and really just wondering why, you know, how is that possible? I'd been just seeing all these really wonderful things and shouldn't I feel better? Shouldn't I be swimming in joy at that point? And you'd certainly think that, especially after you take a poll of what people share on social media. You know, if you remove the political posts and all the different ads that are targeted at you and all those sponsored posts and all those, you know, posts where so-and-so is playing this game. And if you haven't learned how to do that yet, you haven't learned how to turn that off yet, 
let me know. I'll help you out. It's a lifesaver. <laughs> but when you shut all those things down and, and pull out the looking for recommendations and those kind of things, really what's left is all about the wonderful things that people are doing. Sure, I mean, there are some posts in there of people sharing their heartbreak, their losses, their struggles, their challenges. But overwhelmingly, people share snapshots of their best day or what I call their highlights, their celebrations. And this is not to say that sharing those things is bad. Please, please keep sharing those things. The world needs that kind of beauty in it. We really do need to see those things, especially right now in the middle of a pandemic. Like We need to see those celebrations, those grateful posts, those you out enjoying the small and little things in life. Please keep those happening. The challenge comes when I see those things from others or when I have seen those things from others and lose sight of the reality behind them. When I stop remembering that I'm seeing a moment that that person wants to share. When I stop remembering that I'm not seeing their every moment And honestly, I mean, seriously, thank goodness for that because, oh my God, the world does not need 7 billion versions of The Truman Show. Today's social media really, really is like seeing your connections fit for production movie of their life. And if you'll indulge me for a minute, I'll explain how I came to that or kind of why that makes sense to me. Journey back in time with me, back before the world went digital. For some of you, that will be harder than others. For me, it's most of my life. (laughs) Anyway, back then, before all the crazy digital aspects of this world that we are so dependent upon, filmmakers had to film hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of work on celluloid film just to capture enough footage to put together a 90-minute movie that was fit for release. After all the filming was done, the director and editors would spend hours upon hours watching what they'd captured, making notes on what to cut and what to keep and where to put this scene or which shot angle worked best and which take had the best lighting and a million other considerations. They'd start making edits and cuts and actual pieces of film would end up on the floor. And the space would be cluttered with the discarded takes, the bloopers, the not the best moments of every scene. And once they'd put together what was left in a way that they thought was the best representation of the story, they'd have a test screening of it. And then they'd have another chance to edit it before, you know, finalizing. And they might actually go through a couple of different iterations of editing before finally declaring it fit for premiere. And those scraps of time that had been cut and discarded to the floor, those decisions, those choices, those alternative endings or scenes that they didn't want you to see, that they didn't think told the best story, (laughs) those, they were often omitted or forgotten. And on the day of the premiere, audiences would gather to see the 90 minutes that represented potentially years of work for these people. And the audiences would love it or hate it or something in between. And critics and reviewers or just average people would go and write reviews or share with their friends their feelings about this movie that they've just seen. And the average person was not really thinking about all of those scraps that had been laying on the editing room floor. 
They were just seeing the finished product that the director and the production company and everybody in the process had deemed fit for viewing. If you ever found yourself like I did, sitting in the theater, watching a hero or heroine on the screen and thinking, oh, I wish that was me. Or thinking about how your life hasn't gone the way you wanted. How it doesn't seem like you will ever get there. How would you say that compares now to your social media feed? Do you ever do it when you're looking at your social media feed? I've already told you I did. Lots of times. Social media is the new fit for production medium for its age. It's 7 billion directors and editors making decisions on what items are fit for posting. It's 7 billion people taking selfies and retaking them again and again (laughs) with this lighting or that lighting or this filter or this makeup or this angle until they feel that they have gotten it just right. It's tagging yourself and others at events so that people will know that you are active, that you have a social life, that you maybe they'll think you're a foodie if you post pictures of the food that you're eating or that you've created. Maybe they will hit that like button to validate you. It's posting all of the right things so that you become a social influencer and that people will buy the products you represent or that people will look at your life and want it. And I'm not just talking about celebrities. There's plenty of that. And there's, God, it's definitely visible in that space. But we do it even in our own everyday average human being social media feed. It's all of those things rolled together. I want to say it again. A person posting about the good things in their life, it isn't a problem. I want to be very, very clear about that. I'm not advocating for the cessation of those types of posts. As I said before, please keep doing them. The world needs to see those things. The issue lies in what happens when you stop thinking about or you forget altogether about the editing room floors of others. When we forget that what we're seeing is the theater screen showing of a hand-selected story of someone's life. I'm talking about when people find themselves sitting on their own editing room floor amongst the flubs and the missteps and the mishaps and the heartbreak and the wrong turns, the wrong words, the terribly lit moments of your life. An editing room floor, which doesn't have the convenience of being able to toss in the wastebasket every moment you'd like to forget. When we stop keeping the right perspective on social media, we find ourselves flirting with comparison. And as Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I know I touched upon it earlier, but now I'm going to dig in and I'm going to tell you from my life some examples of times when I have struggled with this. If you've listened to any of my podcasts before this one, you know that I have been married and gotten divorced. When I was first divorced, I felt like everyone I knew had a perfect marriage or relationship. They had perfect spouses where everything was a fairy tale and nothing was tragic. I was living in the middle of a beginning 
And beginnings are so scary. But it was a beginning that I knew was ultimately for the best. But it had required me to intentionally let go of everything I'd known for the better part of a decade. Y'all, and at that point of my life, it was a third of my life. I was having to let go of everything I'd known for one third of my existence. And that decision required me to find joy and satisfaction, purpose and definition in new ways, in new places. And that was a struggle. It was hard sometimes. And I didn't help myself when I would scroll through social media feeds and allow myself to feel like all I saw were pictures of happily married people going on vacations, buying houses, celebrating those romances. My favorites were the eating beautiful homemade meals by candlelight in their clean and beautifully appointed surroundings. And at that point, I really did. I was sitting on my couch. I remember sitting on my couch on a Thursday night, eating the mangled, reheated leftovers that the two-year-old had refused to try the night before, looking at a mound of laundry that it was hard to imagine one and a half people had created in the week. I was seeing the cobwebs looming in the corners, knowing there were dust bunnies probably under my couch, and God knows what was in some of the corners and other places in the house, but I could see them from there. And I would look down at myself and I was wearing this ridiculous faded t-shirt and winter-themed PJ pants in the middle of summer and socks that I'd owned since I was 17 that had holes in them. And they really weren't socks. They were more just like holes held together by some thread. And this cloud was the piece hanging over me that was just gathering and stirring. And it hovered there because... I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to cover all the bills that month. Sitting in that moment in my editing room floor, it was easy for me to feel sorry for myself, to lose sight of the good things I had in my life, and to forget that everyone else has an editing room floor as well. I'd been comparing my life to their highlight reels and allowing comparison to steal my joy. A few years later, when I'd been ready to get back in the dating scene and had had a few misfires and more than enough really bad dates, <laughs> I found myself doing it again. I found myself seeing all the beautiful pictures of love and saying, oh, that will never be me because I am going to die alone. And I took a break at that moment and I reminded myself that I was making choices to not settle. Not to put myself in the discount bin, that I had friends and family that loved me and I, I had many, many things to be grateful for. And that I needed to stop comparing my editing room floor to others' highlight reels. Then, years later, after moving to Dallas and undertaking, quite honestly, the biggest gamble I had ever taken in my career and potentially my life, leaving everything I'd known for the previous 18 years while struggling to make ends meet, not sure if I was ever going to make it, having cashed out my retirement account, spent all of my savings, and done, quite honestly, what was 
the unthinkable for me. I was carrying a balance on a credit card. I scrolled through social media and saw postings about promotions and trips and houses and cars and family photos where everyone wore matching fancy clothes and looked like kings and queens of their kingdoms. I had to stop then and remember that I took a chance on myself, that I refused to settle for less than what I knew I was capable of or less than I had dreamed of becoming and that I got up every day and I busted my butt at my job and I gave my kid all of the necessities, including the things money couldn't buy. And for that, I needed to be proud and that those things needed to be my source of joy. A few years ago, I finally turned the corner, as I say, with social media life comparison. It happened one year as Valentine's Day approached, and my feed began to flood with pictures of the ornately beautiful handcrafted Valentines people had created for their children to pass out to classmates. The sweet boxes those children would collect Valentines in and all of the unique and cutesy teacher's gifts they'd put together. I looked at the stack of store-bought Valentines my son had written his name across, and I didn't think about all of those postings I'd seen, and I didn't compare what we were going to be distributing to what they were distributing. I thought about how excited he was that the Spider-Man cards came with Spider-Man pencils. The sheer joy that he had at that. The simple thing. He was so excited. He didn't need anything else. He didn't need anything big and fancy. He had those Spider-Man cards and they came with Spider-Man pencils. And I thought about how thrilled he was to divide up Hershey Kisses for each of his teachers and put them in Ziploc bags with hearts on them. He was so proud of that. And I was proud of that. I was proud of him for being proud of that and excited about those and fulfilled by those little things. And in that moment, I appreciated all that others were sharing with me without comparing their highlight reel to my editing room floor. In that moment, I saw the movie I was making in its raw form between outtakes and edits, flubs and less flattering moments. And I appreciated it for what it was. It was mine. The struggle, the climb, the highs and lows, the laughs and the cries, the wins and the losses, the love and the hurt, the smiles, the vulnerability, the bravery, and the millions of things that have gone into and will go into making my movie. I may not be Captain Marvel. I may not be some other superhero or heroine on the big screen, but I am the heroine of my movie. And that's all I need. And every day there are things in my life to be grateful for. Things I look to when I'm wearing thin. And I actually keep a list in convenient places so they're there. Then I can go to them and remind myself if I need a reminder of exactly what it is I'm working for, exactly what it is that brings me joy. These days, I'm not on social media much. I 
currently really only use FaceCrack to share these podcasts or post a random post about the pandemic we're all living through at the moment, or to share a celebratory post about my kid's birthday and how he has survived another year. And to be honest with you, I really don't miss social media all that much because I'm busy living my life, paying attention to the edits and the things that will, when I look back, probably end up on the editing room floor. But I like that highlight reel better (laughs) than the comparison one. And before I wrap up this episode, I want to say again, I'm not abdicating that we stop posting our highlight reel. The world needs good news in it. I'm just sharing these thoughts and these lessons that I've learned for those out there who might be comparing their editing room floor with our highlight reels. And maybe they don't realize they're doing it, or they think they're the only one who feels they must be doing life wrong. As always, I welcome feedback, especially from those of you who are also in the arena getting your butt kicked. Until next episode, be well, and thanks for listening.